podcasting for me sort of started as a as a means to have some fun with my friends on a sports podcast. Um, it's about ten years ago, and mm-hmm. we were really enjoying it, but we were paying to do it. You know, we were paying to host it, and paid to kind of push it out there, and you know, it was an expense. It was a hobby, but it was, yeah. and we wanted to to get paid for it. In this episode, we get to speak with Phil Faluka. He is a host and CEO of Billionaires and Boxers, a podcast mentor and an empowering TV, events and movies creative producer. It's a blessing for him to work with some of the world's most respected and recognized mentors, professional personal development coaches, and inspiring businesses. His company focuses on broadcasting, TV, online, podcast, and live events. Billionaires and Boxers exclusively brings the world's best mentors, speakers, and leaders to Africa for several live events each year. I am so overwhelmed to speak with this high-valued professional. Let's listen in. Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. We're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life. We want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. And do you know what's cool? I mean, I, I always say this to people is I'm always asking for a challenge. Like, come and tell me because the, the thing I love the most is proving people wrong when they come to me and say, okay, I love what you do, but it wouldn't work for my industry because. And I always say the same thing, which is we've had one refund in six years. <laughs> um, and that person actually went on to refer two more paying clients to us as well. We've done 50 different locations and 50 different sectors, and we've yet to find the one that this doesn't work for because it's essentially built on business and and human relationships and building relationships. And if your industry includes in any part you needing to communicate with another human being, then this will work for you. That's that's so true. And and it, it actually points me to a challenge this gentleman did. He's like, I'm gonna do 100 days of rejection. You probably okay. heard of rejection therapy. So the, he went around asking, you know, people random questions. <laughs> right. One person, and he's like, and he's like, I've got this bouquet of flower. Would you like to buy? And the person's like, you know what? I'm not going to. But then, then, so then the question comes down to why, right? You have to be able to ask the why. So they're like, yeah. well, I won't, but the, my neighbor would love what you're selling. Right, so that's what the, the refund. It's actually you. You don't even call it a refund. That's like a twofer. Yeah. No, dude. You know what? And it was. It was literally because, and it was really sweet. He just didn't have the time. He genuinely didn't exactly. have the time. Usually, that's an excuse. But on this occasion, he really did not have the time. <laughs> and I was, mm-hmm. I was worried that he was going to drag down the figures. To be honest, so I was like, listen, here, take this and and go. But he went on to refer other people, as I said, and and I mean he. He's still somebody that I'm in touch with. He actually came on to one of our shows at a later date as well. So nice. um, it still works. I think it's I think it's always important to keep relationships going with people. I think relationships are key. Um, yeah. But I mean, the thing with this is like, 
you can be passionate about things or you can have a perspective or an idea. And I love the visionaries. I love visionaries. Yeah. The thing with me is it's not really a visionary thing. So I, I've been doing this for 10 years and it works for me and I'm just telling other people how I did it. Yeah. So the, the whole kind of notion of, oh, well, that won't work. It's like, I don't know how to answer that because it does work. Like I'm, I'm like, doing it. I've already walked the path. Yeah, it's like, oh, do you know that only 20% of people, only 20% of podcasters actually make any money from it? It's like, yeah. It's like, and she, so you can't monetize podcasting. And it's like, well, should I give them money back then? Or like, what do I do with this? I don't know what to do with that information. Right. Like if, if 20%, like if you're saying, you're saying, like you're saying it yourself, only 20% monetize. Well, what makes you think that I'm not on the 20% side? Yeah, exactly. They just assume. <laughs> it's brilliant. But you know what? I think people really overcomplicate monetizing podcasts. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the first way that I monetized, well, outside of sport, the first way in business that I monetized the podcast was making a list of the top 100 clients that I wanted to work with mm. and inviting every single one of the CEOs onto a podcast and asking them the same two questions, which were, who are you and how did you get to where you are? And what's your business doing now and where's it going in the future? And the reason it was those two questions were point number one, everybody loves to talk about themselves. Okay, so that was a big tick. Point mm -hmm. number two, they're paid to talk about their business. So talking about their business now and where it's going in the future is two big ticks. Yeah. So now you're spending 45, 60 minutes building a relationship up with the CEO of a dream client of yours. Watch what happens organically if you truly build a relationship with somebody oh, yeah. over that time period. Dude, you, you hit the nail on the head because that's kind of the thing that I'm doing with this hacks and hobbies, you know, getting, to, and this is my favorite part, connecting with the, with the person, connecting with the guest Absolutely. and finding those, those, those frequencies that jive together. Right. hundred percent. All right. Let me say the, say the hellos. Welcome to a new episode of hacks and hobbies. In this episode, I get to speak with. Phil Faluka. Phil, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Uh, hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. So I was listening into some of your past guest experience, guest appearances on other other podcasts and mm. learned some really good stuff. I mean, I didn't go really deep in. I was like, all right, let me let me see what Phil doing, man. So I loved what I heard so far. I actually thank you. Wrote down some of the stuff you've talked about it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to use this tool. You should. They work. Right? Because, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a golden thing because, and, and it was all about alsoasked.com. Yep. And I pulled up my niche and I was like, holy crap, this mm -hmm. is a perfect question. It's like a gold mine, isn't it? Gold mine. I'm like blown away. Right. So I, I can't wait to start using it because I have been creating content around podcasting, around automation around what I do, like creating graphics, blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. But what are the questions people are asking? So if I'm already creating that kind of content and I can plug this question on top of it, boom, marriage oh, yeah. in heaven. 100%. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, I mean, it, it, it almost sounds so simplistic because it is, isn't it? It's like, okay, I know who my audience are and I know where they are. So mm -hmm. I'm going to go and look at what they're asking about what I do. And I'm going to yeah. make sure that I'm the guy that answers those questions for those people. Hell yeah. So it's Hell so yeah. simple, but it, so often the most brilliant things are. It is. People are, I mean, human beings, we are simple beings. We don't like something that takes too many steps. I mean, mm -hmm. 
that's why we created the escalator because we didn't want to take another step. On <laughs> so true, right? It's so true. <laughs> we created lifts. We created so many of the inventions that we human beings have created. It's so we could scratch our own back and eat our cake at the same time, right? Well, well, that's why affiliates and sponsorships work so well with podcasts oh, yes. because once you've found that audience provided your focus is on adding value to them. Mm -hmm. I always say there's nothing wrong with introducing people to a product or service that's going to better their lives. And yeah. then you getting a slice of that pie. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, and actually they love you for it because as you just said, people don't like to go and hunt and look for these things. Mm -hmm. What they like is, Hey, I like this guy and I listen to their content and they interview sensible people and they're sponsored by this brand. So yeah. I'm going to engage with that brand. Yeah. And they get involved with these guys and they've been on their show. They came across really well. So I'm going to do some work with them. And boom, you've now got an affiliate payment from that as well. It's, it's such an organic way of doing it. It is. And in fact, somebody on TikTok I was watching is like, this is how we're making money. And they're like, go to ClickBank, find the product that you like, find the product that's making the most money. Now share that link to your people. Yeah. And watch the money roll in. Like, so it, it is literally, do you know what? It, it can be that simple, but you know, you and I were, were talking earlier, weren't we? And I was saying one of the one of the first ways that I started using podcasting for business was I just made a list of the top 100 clients that I really mm -hmm. wanted to work with. And I went to approach every single CEO of those companies to invite them onto a podcast. Now, back in the early days, this was not as easy as it is today. No. Um, you know, most people were very cynical. It was kind of like, A, what's a podcast? It was yeah. a very common question aspect then. The second question was, what do you want to know and why? I mean, I was like, this isn't a police interrogation. Like, I want to <laughs> I want to get to know you. It's like if we were at a BNI breakfast meeting, you'd welcome me with open arms. But because mm -hmm. I want to talk to you via Skype, yeah. you you think I'm some sort of freak. I mean, I don't know what to suggest. Um, but it, and it was, it was that difficult. But even then, you'd get a sort of 50% ratio. So 50, 50 people would come on. Yeah. Now, the, the thing I always say to people is, be honest with yourself right now. If more than 10 of your dream clients said yes to you tomorrow, how much pain are you in growing and trying to shape your reputation and all that yeah. kind of stuff? Um, and actually, that was the position I found myself in quite quickly. So I went from being just me to having 25 people globally delivering inside the first quarter. It was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, now, I hadn't, the business hadn't started like this. The business had been on its backside for a while because I'd left the corporate world being really good at delivering. In fact, I'd, I'd probably suggest being one of the best in the industry at delivering. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd always had a marketing team on one side and a sales team on the other. So leads and appointments just magically turned up for me to go and speak to people. Nice. And then when I became my own sort of my own man, as it were, and I went and went flew solo, I had no idea how to do that bit. In fact, <laughs> here's a ridiculous thing that I swear to God, I never knew. I did not know. And it sounds so ridiculous. And every small business owner will laugh at me for this. I had no idea that people didn't pay their invoices on time. <laughs> like I didn't realize that that was a thing, right? So I didn't realize that you could do work for a company, send them an invoice that they've decided is a 60 day payment term. And then they still pay late. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I didn't realize that that was a thing. Yeah. Um, and, I, and then I was like, I've become like a bounty hunter. I mean, I share this story. There's this company. There's no word of a lie. There's this company up, 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 up by Burnley Way, mm -hmm. just past Burnley. And the guy was giving me the runaround, something wicked, something horrific. 
And it, it wasn't a huge amount of money. It was probably only two or $3,000, but it was the principle at this point as well as the money. A, I wanted the money, but B, I was really annoyed that I'd been lied to all this time. Mm -hmm. So I actually drove all the way up there and I blocked in the CEO's car in the car park. And I rang the office and I asked to speak to him and they said, oh, he's out at a meeting. And I was like, did he walk? Mm -hmm. And they were like, what? And there's like, well, his cars out here and I'm parked in front of it. So I'm coming up. And I just came straight up the stairs and walked into his office. Honest, honestly, you've never seen anybody go so white in your whole life. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I was just about to ring you. And I was like, oh, that's convenient after like two weeks. And I said, like, well, can you sort it out? And he said, yeah, what we'll do is we'll do a transfer this afternoon. We'll get it sorted for you. And I sat down. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'll wait. Thanks. <laughs> I have to be near. I don't have to be anywhere. Exactly. And, and do you know what? It was paid within like 15 minutes in my yep. account. And then I left and... But, but I remember having such a sour taste in my mouth kind of thinking I shouldn't have had to have done that because actually what was even worse for them was I designed a campaign that had made them hundreds of thousands in profit. And I was like, just pay me my bit. Uh, oh, but man, that's, that's fun. I didn't know that was a thing, dude. Yeah. But, but again, one of the things about podcasting was podcasting allowed me to avoid a lot of that stuff. And I'll tell you how. It's like we've all had clients that we've worked with that we really shouldn't have, you know, they're usually the ones that we've lowered the price for, or we've gone above and beyond for us. And it's always those ones that are a pain in the backside. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, if they don't appreciate and respect what you do, don't start changing what you do to try and accommodate. Cause that's not going to work exactly. either. But so many of us fall at that hurdle and we do that. Yeah. Um, but what podcasting allowed me to do is I would build like a relationship with somebody over sort of 45 to, to 60 minutes with somebody from a, from a first call perspective. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd only ask the people that resonate with me. I'd only say, hey, listen, you do this, I do this. You know, if there's an opportunity, I'd love to do it if, if you feel the same. And I always say to people, one of the most amazing things was I'd be sat on a podcast thinking, right, I'm going to ask this person. I'm going to say to them, hey, I think we should do business. And you start doing that rehearsal, dress rehearsal thing in your head where you're running through lines like, oh, I'm going to say that. That sounds cool. That sounds good. And I'm doing this at like, the end of a podcast. And then I finished the podcast and the amount of times that people would then go, so listen, um, I want to introduce you to my CFO because we're doing this and this and you can do this. And it's like, oh, cool. They're inviting me. This is even better. Mm -hmm. um, and podcasting was a great way of doing that. But the flip side was also true. So I got to see not people I disliked as such. I think that's the wrong way of putting it. But you could, you could tell the people that you didn't vibrate with the people who were on a different path. Yeah. Uh, some of the things that they'd say, you know, would just kind of, you know what I mean? It'd strike a chord or a grate on you a little bit. And there's just one too many of those things in the conversation for you yeah. to go, I don't know what it is, but I don't think I want to work with that person. Um, and, 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 it, and do you know what? It was being bold enough to say no in those occasions as well. It was being bold enough because not, not only the right people ask you, the wrong people could see your value too. And they say, Hey, do you want to work together? Yeah. You have to be strong enough. Even if your diary is completely clear for that month and you need the money, you have to be strong enough to say, I actually, I'm really sorry. We're working on some stuff at the minute. Let me make, let me recommend you to somebody else that can take care of you, but I haven't got capacity at the moment. Just do yourself a favor and do that. That's, that's so important to be able to connect or, to be able to to be able to pick the clients that you want to work on, people mm -hmm. that jive with you, because you're gonna be working them for a time for a long time, or not if you're not, you know. Well, absolutely. I was gonna say, or not if you get it wrong. <laughs> but do you know what? It's always those ones that are a big headache as well, isn't it? As I said, so yeah, you know, I've used this now for for anything, advertising, sponsorship, 
um, monetizing the guests, mm-hmm. private audiences, pay purpose subscription stuff now, which a lot of our clients are starting to use. Um, I mean, the list is endless affiliate sales, affiliate yeah. links, you know, I, podcasting for me sort of started as a, as a means to have some fun with my friends on a sports podcast. Um, it's about 10 years ago and mm-hmm. we were really enjoying it, but we were paying to do it. You know, we were paying to host it and pay to kind of push it out there and, you know, it was an expense. It was a hobby, but it was, yeah. um, and we wanted to, to get paid for it. So I was thinking to myself, well, listen, you know, look at the audience we've got. Surely other people would be interesting to selling to a male age demographic between 18 and 35 with disposable income. Like how is there's got to be a market for that. And, and yeah. as soon as you look, of course there is. The problem had been that other people just hadn't bothered looking yet. So there wasn't like a marketplace that you could easily go and connect with these people at that point. You know, you'd have to reach out to people and say, this is what I'm doing. And, and yeah. I always get the same adage, which is, well, I don't think my podcast is ready to monetize yet because my audience isn't big enough. And I always say the same thing, which is that's complete nonsense. We've had money invested from, from, for startup podcasts based on the story alone and who it is they're going to be interviewing and who in it is they want to empower. So actually just your first five guests sorted and a good vision for where you're going and how you're going to monetize it later down the line is often enough to get really good investors who resonate with you to invest anyway. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's really deep because it's been a question for me, like how do I monetize my podcast? And it's been a hobby. I mean, the podcast mm-hmm. is literally called hacks and hobbies. Yeah. Like this has all started as a hobby mm-hmm. and it's been, it's been a, a fun experience so far. I've, I've connected with, you know, 200 of 200 guests and it's been, that's awesome. A mind blowing because the level of conversations we get, the depth of conversation we get into, you know, we're talking about religion. We talk about, mm-hmm. you know, some politics here and there, but it's mostly mindset. It's mostly ideas. Mm-hmm. It's mostly how do you execute, right? It's like Napoleon Hill meets podcasting, right? Yeah, dude. I, that's so- the reason I love it too. Like every day is a school day. I learn from everybody I speak to. And the, the thing I've realized is that actually there isn't one person out there that has all the answers. No. What you have is a group of really good people that might know one thing really well. But if you combine all of those people together, like amazing things happen. Yep, that's absolutely right. And that's what Henry Ford did. He, he's like, I don't know everything, but I know 100 different people that mm-hmm. know a little bit about everything mm-hmm. or a, a lot about one thing. Exactly. <laughs> so tell us a version of your journey that no one's heard of before. Okay. And in the light of going deep as well, I'll go deep for you. Yeah. So one of the things that I don't think a lot of people talk about is the, the mental health side of being an entrepreneur and it is stressful, man. Oh, I yes. mean, pff, uh, listen, the highs are great, but the lows seriously suck. Um, and you know, you can have a, a terrible month at work, but your salary is still turning up the following month. You know, that that's yeah. not the same thing for, for entrepreneurs. You know, if you, if you have a bad month or, or a bad quarter, that sticks with you. That's not going anywhere. That's, that's going to stay exactly in that, in the, in that place. And you're going to feel that pain long-term. Um, and I don't think enough people talk about that because that's, that's one of the things that I've actually really struggled with. And it's been a really interesting journey for me. It's a journey I'm still on, but it's been a really interesting journey for me because there's been times in my career, uh, especially I'd say over the last three or four years that, other people have almost had 
more faith in me and more belief in me than I do. And it's like you almost, I find myself listening to, and it sounds really sad this, but it's a true story. I have like recommendations for our podcast from, from really amazing people, people who are like in the secret movie that reads like 500 million people that we now get to call friends and mentors, which is amazing. Um, actors, movie stars, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, and they leave us a recommendation. And they usually name me because they've obviously met me as part of the process. And actually, when I'm feeling really down, I really do use those. I go back and listen to these really credible, amazing people talking about how they've been impacted by my podcast and how yeah. they, they, how that relationship is, is great and how they're building that. And, and I, remember, I remember realizing kind of quite how lucky I was to have that because a lot of people don't. A lot of people, in fact, a lot of people have the opposite. Uh, and we've all been there, you know, where sometimes the people who we care about the most are the people who who are giving you the biggest sort of negative influences during this time you know how many times has it been your spouse or, or your sibling or your parents that have gone listen isn't it time you go and get a real job <laughs> you know we've all been there and it's that horrible cheese grater moment where it's oh, like oh man what right, you- i need i need one moment of course we need to change the diaper can <laughs> go buddy go it's absolutely fine my two are downstairs. What's that? My two are downstairs. Yeah. So that was that was great, man. Um, that was really that's really something because it when you have that connection, right? It's I don't even know what I'm thinking from. I don't think, mate. I don't think there's anything. You know. I think the whole point is it's to, is to work with who you vibrate with. And as I said, like there, are, there are times that, you, you know, you don't even vibrate with yourself. I mean, I don't, know, I don't know about anybody else, which is kind of why I'm talking about this now, because I have no idea whether everybody feels the same or whether people are going to genuinely listen to this and go, quite nuts. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm probably like the most negative person in my life. You know, I, I'm the person that's always criticizing myself. I'm the person that's always kind of doubting whether something's going to happen or, I'm always the person that's putting that thing there. And, you know, often, you know, you realize that a, a lot of the baggage that you carry around and a lot of the, the things that, that, you, that you have like that, they've kind of come from other people. Like other people have told you, you know, we've all had it like from our parents. Money doesn't grow on trees. You can't have everything you want. It's like, well, money literally used to grow on trees because it's, it's made of paper. And you can have everything you want. You just need to earn a lifestyle that facilitates that. So both of those things are wrong. And then they didn't tell us that out of spite. They love us. That you know They were trying to help us. But somebody who loved them told them. But that doesn't make it any less bad advice just because it's been passed down generation after generation. It's just really bad advice now. Um, it's kind of matured with age. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, But I think when when you start to realize that a lot of that stuff isn't yours. So I give an example. Okay. If somebody says to you, like if somebody came to you when you were a teenager and said, listen, I could make you a multimillionaire in the next 12 months. Like you wouldn't have believed it. You know, you'd have thought this person is completely crazy. And then what you'd have probably done is gone to, let's say five or six of your closest friends and family and said to them, Listen, this guy said he can make me a millionaire over the next year or so. Yeah, like a multimillionaire over the next year. Do you think that's true? 
But because they're exposed to the same things and the same bad advice, they're just going to repeat back to you what they've been told. And they're going to say, no, that's not at all possible. You can't do that. Um, you know, you, you can't make a million. Like, look at your dad. He's been working 30 years and he's not a millionaire. Of course you can't make a million a year. But if I took you with that same person and put you in a room full of multimillionaires and billionaires and you ask those six people, can I make multimillions in the next 12 months? They're going to go, yeah, of course you can. Obviously. Obviously. We do it every day. Exactly. We do it every single day. So of course you can. So my point is that it's based on who you ask. But how many of us carry around, you know, notions and preconceived ideas about what isn't, isn't possible based off those conversations all that time ago? You know, you can't get fake, you know, you can't. Do you remember when we started using the internet? You know, your parents would be like, go and get a job. You can't get rich on the internet. Are you joking me? You can't get rich on the internet. It's literally the easiest way to get rich. Um, it's certainly the fastest. Yeah. So a lot of what we've been taught just simply isn't right. And I think people are still trying to play by an old set of rules. And for me, those rules were, were, were fitting to the industrial revolution. You know, the move to a city, get a job at a big company, work there for 30 years, get your pension, you'll be safe. That, that world was our grandparents' world. That doesn't exist anymore. It does not. Um, this is the age of the entrepreneur. This is the age of the small niche boutique that can deliver one thing really good and combine with other people in an ecosystem to provide an amazing service to, to whatever size business you want to work with. Absolutely, man. You're, you're, you're so on the point on that with, with being able to provide that service, that, that niche service and the only place where you can go from zero to hero in 30 days. Mm -hmm. Because once you've got that, that first step down of, of what it is, who you're serving, mm -hmm. what they're looking for, you already have that knowledge. You just got to package it the right way. Mm -hmm. And packaging is that they don't teach you packaging. No. They don't teach no, you. No, no, they don't. But you know what? They also, they also don't teach you that you have to stick firm with your products. I mean, in fact, if anything, they, they teach you the opposite. They teach you the customer's always right. So, yeah. you know, I'm a, I quite often do the Richard Branson thing to say yes and then figure it out later. Yeah. But one of the things I, I won't do, and I, and I had this challenge just today, which is why I'm sharing it, mm -hmm. um, because I think a lot of businesses will face this at some point. Um, one of our uh, clients that we were onboarding for the done for you service for the podcast. So that you're getting spoon fed to them said, look, I don't have a marketing team. So could I just pay you guys and your team could do the social media marketing? And we were thinking about it and I said, you know, technically we can do that because we have the team there doing it for us and, and the rest of it. But like, I'm, I don't, it doesn't feel right. So I said, look, I, I don't know. Let, let me, let me think on it and I'll come back to you. And the more I thought on it, the more I disliked it. And I went and meditated on it because I was pretty keen to work out why it was. I, I didn't mm. feel good about it. And it turns out that the reason I don't feel good about it is it's so dependent on the opinion of, or perception of the client. So if their perception is that you're going to get them Twitter verified and 10,000 followers in seven days, whether that's possible or not, that's their expectation. Yeah. So it's, and it's completely out of my realm of expertise. Like mm -hmm. when it comes to a podcast, I know if that starts going off track, I know how to fix that because I've done this so many times now 
50 different countries, 50 different sectors. It just, it works, right? I know yeah. this formula. It's my formula. But when it comes to social media, it's like, even I'm not particularly keen on that stuff for me. Like I, I don't want to do it for somebody else. Right. So even though we had somebody there cash in hand, trying to hand us a 12 month agreement for a social media management contract, and we could have done it. And ridiculously, there are agencies out there right now spending money to try and find that exact kind of deal and that sort of client. And we're saying no to it, but we're saying no to it because that's not our thing. Like we're really good at our bit. I don't want to be a jack of all trades. I really like being good at this bit and and I just want to do this bit. That's that's an excellent point. It's it's the courage of saying no, right? Uh, one of the reasons Apple computer went under and that bring Steve Jobs back is because they start saying no, saying yes to everything. Mm-hmm. They had a model for everybody, mm-hmm. and then Steve's like, "No, no, that's not how we do it. You do it the other way. One, you do one do device and one then device. Every, yeah." Yeah. I'm completely with you. I mean, that's the thing is, is like we actually have, and people say it sounds like a sales pitch when I say it, but it's genuinely not. Like we, we have limited capacity because I, I set the bar so high for my team that everybody that we do the done for you service for comes in at that same bar. Mm-hmm. So for most of the clients, that bar is way higher than they would even need it, you know? But that's not the point. If it's going out under the Billionaires in Boxes brand, it's yeah. going out at that same high level, that same high standard. Exactly. So where, where we have a scaling issue and a, and a capacity issue is there's only so many people we can continue to do this for before we need to bring on new people and train them. But they're not going to be at that level straight away. So we're going to exactly. need to bring them up to speed. So it's a constant thing of growth. But I, I also think it's about I don't think there's anything wrong with being exclusive. Mm. I don't think there's anything wrong at all with being able to say, look, we can do this for 20 to 30 people a month at a time globally, period, done, end of. So when we say that we only have one space in North America for a PR agency between 11 and 50, we really do have one space. And when it's gone, it's gone because now we're moving on to fill the space in Australia and New Zealand. Um, and that's the joy of what we've done. So many, this has resonated with so many people that I now have partners all over the world doing this. Um, you know, we've got Billionaires in Boxes USA. We're about to onboard Billionaires in Boxes South America. So that's coming nice. pretty soon. Billionaires in Boxes India. We have two across Africa. Uh, we have one in New Zealand and one in Australia. Wow. So, so far. That's, that's freaking awesome, dude. So what is the concept behind Billionaires, billionaires in Boxes? So you said... It started as a podcast, but it was yes. not called that. It wasn't, no. So it was originally a podcast that I used to generate business. And then about okay. six or seven years ago, people really stopped caring about my other businesses and would say mm-hmm. to me, listen, will you, will you just teach us the podcast bit? Um, like we only want to know that bit. So mm-hmm. I started to mentor people. But what was, what was funny was I was building it in as part of my service because I knew that people wanted it. But the funny thing was, they didn't want my other service. They just wanted the podcast bit. And I didn't really want to do the other service. I just wanted to do the podcast bit. I just wasn't brave enough at that moment to just go, right, sod it, which is going to do the podcast <laughs> bit. Um, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't brave enough at that point. That happened almost organically as I realized that the phone hadn't stopped ringing and my messages hadn't stopped beeping for, for podcast mentorship but nobody was calling my recruitment business. And I think my ad agency emails had been turned off and I hadn't even noticed. Um, so, you know, it, 
we, we had a select handful of clients for both of those agencies that we continued to work with right up until COVID happened, actually. Mm. Um, and the, when that happened, it was sounds like a weird thing to say, but it was like the perfect time to make the leap permanently and just put them down for good because they were kind of things there from the past that mm. were just sort of ticking away. And, uh, you know, I had a client ring me and he was like, listen, I know we've worked together for a long time. I'm so sorry, but I'm going to have to put it on pause for a bit. And I'm thinking, mate, I'm delighted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to do with that. Yes. Um, let, awesome. uh, but you know what? It's, it's been a fun ride and, and you're right. So, so Billionaires in Boxes, in, in essence, is uh, a global empowerment network for entrepreneurs. It's entrepreneurs of all different shapes and sizes, but particularly startups and small businesses sort of sticking together, learning from each other, getting inspiration and training from best mentors, best coaches, entrepreneurs, you name it. We've got them on there. We've got some amazing authors on there, speakers, some of the best people. It's just, it's incredible. The people that want to get involved in empowerment. Um, and I think a large part of that is because of the work we do across Africa and India, you know, to the two next, next emerging markets mm-hmm. uh, you know next 10 years worth of technological advancements are going to be coming out of those two markets oh, yeah. and and the west has a horrific reputation for for doing business there and and developing business relationships there so what better way than using global podcasting to build relationships and start to, to for you know find people who you resonate with so that when you do decide to move into a particular area you know i have clients that come to me and say how are we going to win our first five clients in africa it's like easy like this boom there you go go and do it yeah no i like it that's that's pretty awesome man uh congratulations you know you said you you're starting a tv show too soon yeah. what's so, that going to be all about so is the t- it, is it the same the tv show is the same thing so so in essence what happened was we we've been taken to a radio show and then a tv network in zambia picked us up so that's already going to got picked up and it was interviewing the same people we do for the podcast. So in essence, if I'm completely honest, it was the video version of the podcast. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to be recording in Cape Town, but obviously that went out of the pan when COVID happened. Um, so we've been kind of recording it from home. But then off the back of that, we had, it's hard to explain. It's like bigger and bigger guests would kind of say yes and then would introduce us to more people that would just kind of blow your socks off world's leading passive income coach, you know, Forbes top list of this and best-selling author for New York times and wall street journal. And it's like, okay, this is cool. Um, movie stars and just all these people. So then what ended up happening was bigger TV networks started to hear about it and say, we want to pick that up. So we right now we're in talks with two more across India. We've been picked up by three networks across Africa, which gives us 30 million home reach for these, for these shows. I mean, it's ridiculous, but it's, it's, I literally call it like Napoleon Hill meets podcasting. It's not me giving anything. I mean, hopefully I give something, but mm-hmm. it's not about me or my expertise. It's about me bringing on people who I want to learn from yeah. so that we can all learn together. And if it resonates yeah. with you, great. If it doesn't, what's the next episode? Cause maybe that's the one for you. Dude, I like, I like what you're putting down because <clears throat> that, that was my, that was my concept. Like, like that what sparked in my head like okay i started a podcast mm-hmm. just to document the journey of beekeeping i'm a beekeeper yeah. that's cool right? and and i was like I'm, I'm gonna have to do it myself because nobody else is gonna spoon feed it to me mm-hmm. i gotta do it myself and and it, it all happened because i finally finished reading crushing it you know i crush it by getting it and it's like 
just do it. Who just are you do waiting it. for, right? So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'm going to start. And I so just talked to myself, talked about beekeeping, didn't even promote it. Like first season, I didn't even promote it. I'm just, I'm just going to record this in my car. Yeah. The tools are so, tools are, you know, readily available. You can record oh, a podcast. It's so easy now. It's, it's just, I, it's never been easier to record a podcast. Never. There's been no easy. excuse anymore. And There's it's funny no. you should mention Gary V because I'm a big fan and, you know, uh, a lot of people hear people like Gary say, create more content, put more content out there, but they all get stuck at this kind of, well, what do I do? What do I say? Like, am I going to do a selfie style video? You're like I'm too old for Instagram. That's yeah. not my jam. Whatever the excuse is you're telling yourself. And that's fine. Right. I don't, I don't disagree with that. You're probably right. Like I probably wouldn't watch your weird videos on Instagram either. Yeah. Um, so I get it. Right. It, your, your fear is probably justified. However, right podcasting is such a natural way of doing it because you yeah. get to create this long form evergreen content of you building relationships up with people. And I always say like we work with a lot of law firms and a lot of accounting firms and professional mm-hmm. services. And they often say like, how am I supposed to sum up what we do in a 30 second jingle on Instagram? Like it's, it, it, and it's you like, I, 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 you don't, what you do is you use the podcast and then you use snippets of the podcast to, tweak people's interest like we said before about also us that you know that's a great one for them because quite often there's a disconnect with intelligent people between what they think so how is it we word this too many people sell to what their customers what they think they want rather than selling to the customers what the customer thinks they need yeah because those are two different things right you think they want one thing they don't prime example I thought the whole world would go nuts for our mentorship program. And we did. We sold quite a lot. But Mm -hmm. I didn't have anywhere near the response that I was expecting and anticipating. But then when we opened the door for the done-for-you service, it was like couldn't hold back the floodgates. Mm -hmm. It was like, so let me get this straight. I'm prepared to teach you how to do it for a one-time price. And some of you want to do that. But the second I say, pay me a monthly retainer and I'll do it for you, you all just go, here, take my money. And it's like, you lazy people, just get this, <laughs> but just just come and learn how to do it. But just, lazy, I'm telling you. But, but I get it, right? I get it because, you know, I'm busy too. So if somebody mm. was bringing something to my business right now and saying, look, I'll teach it you, I'd probably say the same thing. Could yeah. you just do it for me? And Can I'll you do it you for me? You. Can you build my studio? Can you, you know, buy me a car? Why not, right? Why not, right? Everything, yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. So. Especially Super if it's in your niche. If it's what you're best at, then why not? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I got approached by this gentleman, uh, Diego of uh, Feedcast. Okay, yeah. So uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's... I've heard of Feedcast. It's all about <clears throat> audio courses. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is pretty neat. Like, all right, you pick, pick a subject, you teach that subject, in yep. an audio format, people don't have to watch video. They just listen to you and we, we guide you to it. And I was like, okay, that sounds pretty exciting because I love teaching. I'm teaching about yep. different things. So I had a few conversations with them. It's like, all right, what, what's your reach look like? You know, how many people are you talking to so far? It's like, well, we've got this many people in the UK. We've got mm-hmm. this many people in the US. we got this many people in India, Brazil, South America. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's a pretty neat idea they've got going on. I think so. You should do it. I mean, look, I I always say to people that exposure is great. I mean, be careful about not giving away too much of your IP for free. I always say that to people. I mean, the amount of people 
that are trying to flog a dead horse with the hair, come and do my free webinar thing. You know, we, we charge for our webinars. Uh, I mean, you get more than that back in value through yeah. being in the webinar, but we, we literally will charge you for the webinar. And the reason for that is we want to make sure that you're somebody serious about growth. The amount of people that just come and jump on the thing and I'm just giving away all this valuable information. It's taken yeah. me years to learn. Yeah, I've just got to give it to you for free, apparently. So no, that's not happening. No, it, it shows commitment too, right? Like, okay, if you can put down $5, $10, yeah. whatever it is, right, you... You're showing that you are really interested. Yep. In and it's not just a, I'll sign up for it and see if they send me the evergreen version, which right. even I do, to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm with you. I think there's, there's, the world has changed after this period. And, and, and I think people ha- have to get ready for that. And genuinely, I've been receiving two types of calls during this period. Call type number one is, thank God we learn how to do this because our business is still making money. Uh, you know, I've actually now had two. It was just one at first, and now I've yeah. had two clients call me and say that their uh, competitors have called in the administrators, and they're still having a solid year month on month compared to last year. Wow. And the reason for that is that they have evergreen content out there. In fact, during this period, people were at home and could create more content and engage with more content. So actually they had a better period because they just yeah. created more content. Exactly. Um, and I always say like a lot of this stuff comes down to perception, right? So I'll give you an example. If you've never been to a city before, never been to a town before, we've all done it. And you're looking for a restaurant somewhere to eat and you see one place that is dead. It's completely quiet. And then you see a place next door that is absolutely rammed and it's really busy or just up the road. You go in the busy one, don't you? Cause you assume that all those people must be right. What if all those people are mates of the person who works there and you've just been sucking in and actually the really nice restaurants, the one down the road that has nobody in it? Because the reality is that's what happens. That's why people pay so much money to sponsor stuff to you and do retargeting campaigns and stalk you around the internet so that they can see the authority. Well, let me tell you something about podcasting, right? Podcasting is a great form of media for a start. It's a form of media that Google loves, hence Google Podcast. It also features really, really highly because of the different search engines and directories that it goes into for SEO and Google searches. So it's great for backlinks. But more importantly, if you've done a load of interviews on your podcast, interviewing people who you can monetize, but also credible people across your industry, and you've appeared on podcasts globally being seen as the authority in what you do sharing that experience, and therefore when somebody types into Google whatever it is that you do in your local area, you're the first two pages of Google, you win. You're the best whether yeah. you are or whether you're not because perception is king. And they're going to look at that and they're going to engage with several pieces of your content, hear you talking, hear your credibility. And if they resonate with you, they're going to get straight in touch with you. And that's exactly the kind of customer that we all want. Wow. That's, that's the nugget. That's the nugget right there, man. That's nugget. What is podcasting? Well, it's blogging. Yep. It's much easier. Cause you well, get- I always say the same thing, which was that, that you know, before we had the, the education system, which is kind of the indoctrination system we had today, you know, we had mentors and we had storytelling. Podcasters yeah. is a fantastic way of combining both of those things. You know, I now get to be mentored and work with, like, this is a true story, I swear, on my life, okay? Over the last six months, I've probably come across five multi-million dollar ideas just through podcasting because you come across somebody and they go, listen, I've got this and it'd be really great. I mean, I just don't know what to do with it. And I'm sat there itching thinking, oh, 
I know this guy who runs this massive hotel chain. And if I plugged you into them, you could help them with their liability insurance. And boom, that'd be a real saver, right? Let's combine it. Yeah. I'll tell you what, guys, I'll make the introduction. Give me 5% of whatever comes from it. And you guys go get yourself in a room together. And it's a, often it's about being somebody that's really credible in business. Isn't about being able to do everything. Yeah. It's about being able to do one thing really well, but introduce them to other people that do other things equally as well. Yeah. Yeah, you became that super connector. Hundred percent. It's yeah. such an it's such an integral part of any business. You know, no man is an island and all that. It's it's so it's so true. You know, but, it's not it's not you know aggression. It's collaboration. It's cohesion. It's working together to to become successful. And and those small businesses in partnership that are agile enough to adapt to the market, but also strong enough to be able to stand together. Yeah, that's a powerful network. That's a powerful network. That's awesome. And that's why we we that's why we see so many companies merging or you know acquisitions. Like, all right, mm -hmm. you're doing really good. Let me bring you into my company. Just like 100%. Uber Eats, or Uber just bought this company, right? That, that was running Postmates. Yeah. For what two point six five billion dollars? Awesome, huh? Holy smokes, right? All right, we've had some really awesome conversation. Thanks so much, Phil. It's a I pleasure. Have some fun questions towards the end of the podcast. Shoot, brother. What is the one hobby that you wish you got into? Fishing. All right. I always wish I, I, I like I've been fishing a few times and I'm yeah. I'm a real wimp with it. Like I don't like touching the fish when I catch them. Uh, <laughs> I don't like getting the hook back out of the mouth. Yeah. So I like the idea of fishing more than I actually like fishing. I think I'd prefer just sitting by the water bank with like nothing on the hook. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm fishing. I'm just fishing by the water. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> All right. What did you want to be when you were a child? A footballer. Nice. But I wanted to be a footballer right up until I was an adult as well, until it was no longer an option. Um, but yeah, I definitely a footballer. And then nice. a manager. And a manager. A football manager. Mm. Hey, maybe that's something in the future. Who knows? Hey. I wanted Gareth Southgate's job. And actually, the older I've got, the more the, the less I want the England job. And um, and I'm a, and I'm a big Liverpool fan, so yeah. actually, like I look at Jurgen Klopp and I think, like me as a fan doesn't want me to replace this man. <laughs> like I want him to stay right there. <laughs> like I trust him more than I trust me. So yeah, yeah. I'm okay with that dream on hold at the moment. <laughs> nice. All right, next one. What is your favorite movie or TV show? Good question. Like I like, I think Goodfellas is probably my favorite movie. Nice. Um, I I like a lot of those films. You know, big yeah. fan of The Irishman and yeah. The Godfather, especially Part One and Two. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like uh, A Bronx Tale. In fact, I like all of them. If I'm completely honest, like I'm yeah. I'm a I'm a big fan of that genre of films and. Again, in a weird way, I mean, I don't want I don't want my business to sound like a mafia, right? It's just imagination, <laughs> but. It, I, I think there's a lot of synergies in as much as, you know, it, there's lots of people, there's lots of individuals, but when they stand together, they're much stronger and they, yeah. they, they, they don't just stand for the norm. Now, I always say the same thing. You can use this stuff for good and you can use it for evil. It's the same with podcasting. Yeah. Like, I, I could use it to sell to an audience something that they really shouldn't be investing in or use it to help build the reputation of a financial services firm that are just ripping people off. 
Yeah. I mean, we yeah. could do that just as easily, yeah. which is why we're so selective about who we work with. So that's, nice. that's, I like those films, but that's, that's, I think that's what I resonate with in them. Yeah. I think it's the camaraderie and, and being able to run as a, as a size group. And they seem to respect each other a lot more than small business owners actually respect each other. So, um, so maybe it's just the ideal world that I want. A right? little bit of a extortion and mobsters in there. Is... <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> All right. What movie would you choose if you got to play a character in it? Ooh. I reckon Gladiator looks fun. Oh yeah, man! You got to go and do like I. I always like the the look of. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't want to be in it, but <laughs> like in in the Coliseum and that yeah. kind of whole amazing arena, and I just reckon yeah. that'd be an awesome thing to be a part of because there's nice. so many cool scenes in there. There's the the war scenes in the beginning against the barbarians. There's yeah. the individual fights in the Coliseum. So there's some awesome stuff in there. Yeah, I reckon that that'd movie be a cool was movie. Just done right. Yeah, it was every, a cool movie. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Who is your favorite superhero? Batman. Yeah. Batman. I tell you, I tell, do you want to know why it's Batman? Because right. it seems the, like the most likely to happen to me. Most likely to happen to you. Because yeah. like I, I can't, I, I don't, I can't see myself being bitten by a radioactive spider. <laughs> like I didn't come from space, so I'm not Superman. So I'm already kind of running out of ideas. <laughs> Um, I think I have enough of my sanity not to be Joker. I mean, there are days that I'm less sure, but yeah, I think I think Batman because it's kind of like um, he he has this human fear, but he also has the money and resources to be able to design really kick-ass gadgets and stuff. And yeah. if I'm honest, if I was like a billionaire, trillionaire, I'm pretty sure I'd just spend my money on kick-ass gadgets. I'd be like Elon Musk with the flamethrower. Like there that'd be go. that'd be my kind of jam, you know. <laughs> um, but it, I, I couldn't be Batman though, because obviously it's about his fear, and I'm not that scared of bats. Yeah, I am, however, terrified of wasps. So I'm pretty sure I'd be Wasp Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, wasps I'm, I'm not really fun. not good with wasps. Mm-mm. Wasps are not fun. No and way. then you go back to Africa, and they have these like mutant wasps. Like honestly, oh god, my god. search search African wasps or South African wasps on Google, and you'll see what I mean. There's oh like there's the wasp, and then an extra bit with the sting on it. It's like, <laughs> horrific. But the first time I saw it, I genuinely fell off my chair. I thought like a small bird had hit the window. It was ridiculous. <laughs> oh my god, that's insane. Mm. All right, last question. If you were a board game, what would it be? Monopoly. Nice. Definitely Monopoly. Because nice. that, that's literally kind of how I <laughs> see the world. That's literally what I do. It's kind of like, oh, I, we don't have enough going on in South America. Let's go and do something there. And, you know, that because for, for me, it's just as easy to grow a global business as it is to grow a local business. In fact, if anything, whilst this might sound quite weird, it's, it's probably easier to grow a global business. You certainly oh, yeah. got more customers to choose from. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. And if your local market is saturated with whatever you do or there's not a huge demand for it, so the price isn't great, go somewhere where it is. I mean, I don't mean physically go. I yeah. mean, digitally go You know, and, and do all this work. So I've been in the UK on and off for, for the last uh, 10 years, yeah. back and forth between South Africa. And... I think maybe two of our clients have been in the UK during that time. Everyone else has usually been in the States or yeah. we do a load of stuff in Ireland and in Africa. We did loads in Singapore. I've never set foot in Singapore and I've had loads of clients in Singapore. And I'll tell you why. It was because the market that I was competing in. So at the time it was a recruitment agency. It was a search agency. 
And there's something like 20, like 1,000 recruitment agencies in London, right? Now, to kind of give you some perspective, there's like 8,500 recruitment agencies in South Africa. Wow. So, I mean, like, you look at the demographic and it's like, of course I'm going to find it hard to win work here. Like, every, every day, these people are getting five to ten calls from recruiters all saying the same stuff, all being specialists in their field. Like, it's a wonder we ever win any clients this way. Then I looked at Singapore and I realized that there's two competitors that did the special market, the particular niches that I did, mm. and they were both board level placements. So I was thinking, okay, well, who's taking care of the 30 to 50 K salary mark? Yeah. Yeah. So I went and swept it up and there was nobody out there. So I just picked up all this work and I was like doing this in London was like banging my head against the wall and trying to get blood out of a stone. Doing this in Singapore was like child's play because they would say, Ooh, I also know a friend at such and such a place that's looking. Could you do this for them too? And it was like, well, if you ask me nicely and pay me more money. And... No, I'm joking. But it, it was, it was, it was, it was like, um, it was like you were doing them a favor now. So I'd gone from, oh, please give me the instruction and let me do this to, sure, no problem. No, no, you're welcome. Listen, please stop thanking me. You're paying me enough. That's fine. You know. <laughs> um, but I never understood why more people didn't do that. And, and maybe yeah. it's because they don't have the tools to be able to do it. So for me, it was because I'd been involved in podcasting and I'd already been communicating with people all over the world. It was second nature to go, well, I don't need them to be 60 minutes away from my office. I can just go and talk right. to the guy in Chicago. Or exactly. if I really want to know all about you know, empowerment and how governments are working with empowerment models, I'm going to go to the empowerment minister in South Africa and I'm going to go and talk to two of the senior guys that deal with it in business over there. Why? Because they can tell me about it far better than anybody within a mile radius of where I live. You know? So yeah, absolutely. That for me was always a really important factor. So that's why I say monopoly because it was always a case of that's literally how my brain works. It's like, okay, <laughs> we need a bit more there. And if I, if I, buy out that bit then we've got that sorted and yeah that's that's how my head works so definitely I like monopoly it. i like it thank you so much phil what can the audience me. find you and connect with you good question so you can head over to billionairesinboxers.com which is nice and easy to find us yeah um my surname is also really unusual which is p-e-l-u-c-h-a so if you search for phil palucha p-e-l-u-c-h-a mm. i am really easy to find nice I'll let you let you in on a little secret um, I only check my Twitter account and my LinkedIn account. The team do the rest of them. So if you actually want to talk to me, reach out on LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, the team are very nice as well. So you can talk to them too if you don't want to talk to me. But yeah, just head over, <laughs> check out what we're doing. It's a, it's a fun journey. So if it's yeah. resonated, come, come see what we're all about. That is fantastic, man. Thank you so much, Phil, for this talk, this this empowering journey and you know learning from the mastermind this is this was really awesome Thanks thank so you much. so much for having me dude you're welcome thank you for listening to hacks and hobbies you can find additional information on the guest today on their website hacksandhobbies.com please feel free to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on upcoming interviews with amazing guests